Hi, I'm Mizey. And I'm sorry. <laughs> my, my dog. Wait a minute. I just looked over and my dog is literally like chewing her toenails. And and then she dug in her ear and then she started eating her Looking toenails. It just happened as I was like about to say, and I'm Sean, and it just revolted me. So... <laughs> I'm sorry. Lola's like, mind your own. Right. She really, she really is. She's like, bitch, record your podcast. Ain't nobody doing nothing. Hi, I'm Mizey. And I'm Sean. And this is our Rude Awakening. So today, Sean, we are going to talk about CRT, which is also known as critical race theory. Okay, like we that. have a bell and everything. I'm guessing that class is in session. Okay, well, you know I know what CRT is, but I'm going to just let you rock. So go ahead, Miss Mizey. I've got my notepad and I'm classroom ready. What is CRT and why are we talking about it? I am so glad you asked and unprompted too. So CRT is important because it's been in the news for months and it is not going away. In fact, there are more and more laws that are being written, preventing schools from discussing what they consider to be CRT. According to Britannica.com, CRT is an intellectual and social movement and loosely organized framework of legal analysis based on the premise that race is not a natural, biologically grounded feature of physically distinct subgroups of human beings, but it's a socially constructed and culturally invented category that is used to oppress and exploit people of color. Critical race theorists hold that racism is inherent in the law and legal institutions of the United States, insofar as they function to create and maintain social, economic, and political inequalities between whites and non-whites, especially African-Americans. Critical race theorists are generally dedicated to applying their understanding of the institutional or structural nature of racism to the concrete goal of eliminating all race-based and other unjust hierarchies. And I know that was a lot of information. Yes, it was. Yes. So I'm just going to, Roy just breaks it down a lot simpler. I'm okay. just going to give it to you in a nutshell. Okay. According to Reuters, the theory rests on the premise that racial bias, intentional or not, is baked into U.S. laws and institutions. Now, I just want you to know that this is a broad and general overview of CRT. We will be delving further into the theory itself and how it relates to our collective past and present at a later date. Okay. Yes, Sean, I see that your hand is raised. Yes, it is. Uh, and you said a mouthful. I wish I would have gotten the nutshell before I got this hand cramp from writing all those notes. <laughs> but the feedback. if I'm understanding you, and I think I am, CRT's basic tenets are that race is a construct mm -hmm. and racism is not just personal bias, but something that's baked into our societal framework, our legal systems, our policies, et cetera. So that sounds painfully obvious to me based on just observing everyday American society uh, and what I know about the history of race. So again, playing student, why all the news coverage and political controversy this time? Okay, we're going to go a little bit uh, back. So CRT has been around for decades. 
However, in the aftermath of George Floyd's murder, when there was a reckoning on race and privilege, there was also backlash. And I'm just going to say it. Some white people felt like they were being forced to feel guilty about the color of their skin. Christopher Rufo, he's an editor of the Urban Policy Magazine City Journal. He began writing and bringing attention to what he later identified as CRT and how it was going to destroy America as we know it. Actually, he's been advising a lot of lawmakers. Are you familiar with this argument? I am. uh, You know, there's so much about that that I take issue with, including the force to feel guilty. Uh, You know, it, it speaks to me that you feel guilty and you don't want to. But honestly, you know, all of the arguments that are being put forth and, um, you know, uh, reasoning for why people want to get rid of CRT or there's a backlash against what they think is CRT is something that I don't get. Uh, other than, you know, getting that in this current climate where we have truly, you know, a reckoning, like you said, on race and a push for American society to move forward and progress, you know, I guess I can get it in that context. Knowledge and guilt can breed a desire for change and learning history as it happened, as opposed to how it's written, uh, sort of upsets the apple cart in terms of how we've been living life in this society. But honestly, you know, I don't think the current state of education is really accomplishing what they're rallying against and what they're worried about. So is there anything that breaks down this point of view further? That's a great question. And I think it's important to really understand what they believe CRT is. So if you're up to it, there is a video uh, from the Conservative University, Prager University, and it is about CRT. In a nutshell, it argues that CRT states that if you are not in a quote-unquote marginalized minority, then you're automatically privileged. And the video states that critical race theory is actually anti-civil rights since it judges everyone based on the color of their skin rather than the content of their character. And this goes against the teachings of MLK. You might have heard some people say that uh, CRT was anti-MLK. Yeah, I have heard that. I think I, I think I saw maybe Governor Ron DeSantis in a press yes. conference. <laughs> yes. About, yeah, girl. But, mm, I don't I don't even have words. Um, but to me, all of it really just sounds like willful ignorance of the way society already works. Uh, And not just American society, by the way. Uh, It speaks to, to me, why a fulsome education is critical. Um, Growing up, to be candid, American history gave all of five pages to to the Black experience. Mm -hmm. Basically, the timeline was slavery, the abolitionist movement, the Civil War, civil rights, the end. And I should note, civil rights was basically an overview of MLK and Malcolm X's counterpoints. So it wasn't really an in-depth exploration of everything that went on during the civil rights Don't forget Rosa Parks. Oh, yes, yes. She was a footnote. Um, And then, you know, during Black History Month, we got blurbs on the intercom about significant Black people, the three that we just mentioned, 
and their contributions to society. And that was literally it. It seems to me that to piggyback off of you saying what people don't or what they view CRT as and what they don't want to acknowledge, to me, it's also about inequality. Mm-hmm. So if you don't acknowledge that race has been an issue in our systems, in our government, you know, as part of the fabric of United of the United States, then there are no faults. So acknowledging history is part of the healing and fixing the inequalities. So you have to know there's a problem in order to treat it. And pretending it doesn't exist, I've lived my life like this, it does not make it go away. And in this case, it stops progress. Miss Mizey, my hand is raised. Yes, Sean. I totally agree. And speaking of acknowledging history and fixing the faults, I just saw a clip about required education in Germany for uh, grandchildren and children of Nazi soldiers. So in the clip, they talked about having the students um, watch Nazi trials, study the atrocities that their ancestors perpetrated during the Holocaust. Uh, They even go on concentration camp tours and take field trips to Jewish cemeteries where they clean and tend graves and discuss um, their feelings about what their ancestors did that led to the deaths of those people. Uh, And the idea is to show the horror of the Holocaust and the role that their ancestors played in it with an idea that we need to acknowledge it so that history doesn't repeat itself. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I-, I was amazed by it because quite honestly, here in America, we have turned our slave plantations into bed and breakfasts and places to get married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, people go there to observe the beautiful oak trees and they may get a tour and see, you know, a slave quarters uh, some slave quarters here or there, but there's it's not required education. Um, you know, it's not something that's mandatory. It's elective, and really, we've we've romanticized the genteelness of the old South in a way. Your Southern you know, bells, right? Yes, exactly. We're thinking Scarlett O'Hara. We're not thinking, you know, the atrocities that went on there on a daily basis, and how much the labor that was there, the free labor that was there impacted uh, and benefited American industry. So something's wrong there. You know, we, we um, will just keep holding up a broken system if we refuse to acknowledge the flaws. And to me, you know, everybody's talking about putting guilt on white children, but this is not about guilt. It's about growth and really moving on and repairing the brokenness that exists in this country. Right. And it's growth for all because even today, black people are dealing with lower appraisals on their homes. The Washington post has an article from just last year that outlines how one appraiser gave a significantly higher appraisal on a home that had white occupants Versus another appraiser who uh, appraised the same home, the exact same home, but the occupants were black. So Mm -hmm. basically, people's homes are worth more if they thought that the people who lived there were white. And these lower appraisals affect your ability to get a loan. And 
it in turn decreases your opportunity to have generational wealth. <clears throat> yes, Sean. Thank you. I'm aiming for a teacher's pet today, as you can see. Nice. Um, yes, I agree. And that's, you know, it goes back to what we were saying with, um, you know, changing history by educating, you know, starting that true education at a young age because of how, you know, baked into uh, the way that we function um, race is and, and discrimination based on races. And speaking about the housing, the lower appraisals on the housing, uh, redlining also continues to be an issue. Um, you know, for those in the class that don't know, redlining was a practice that started in the 1930s. The federal government would mark off uh, real estate in what it deemed risky neighborhoods. And it wouldn't approve mortgages in those areas. So if any address came up from that area, you know, it was an automatic denial um, of a mortgage for people who lived in those areas. Surprise, surprise, the risky areas were defined based on race. Um, There's a ton of movies about it, you know, lots of reading available on it. But and I know that's not today's topic, but. Today, you know, redlining is illegal, but minorities are still experiencing impaired access or higher interest rates for mortgages, student loans, credit, and insurance based solely on where they live. And like you said, you know, once they do live somewhere, they're um, facing discrimination, even in appraisals. You know, it's it right. It's so baked into the systems that it almost makes it impossible. Um, you know, to get on equal footing. Right. And that goes back to the structural and institutional ideas of inequality, which is based on race. And like you said, with redlining, these people are being put into these, pushed into these certain areas where there are, there's less uh, economic opportunity, um, which can in turn lead to more violence, you know, um, and lower health because our worse health, because there aren't a lot of businesses and we hear the term food deserts even today, you know, where you don't have a lot of fresh food and not a lot of places where people can shop and lower health outcomes have a root commonality in the laws that were passed in the post-reconstruction era. Oh, wait, oh. Sean is not a brown noser. I'm sorry, Sean, just these kids, these kids here. Hey, I believe you have something to say that hurt my feelings. I'll talk to them about it. Anyway, jerks, <laughs> I just saw an interview between our vice president and a medical professional who said he was actually taught in medical school not to believe black women when they say they're in pain leading up to or after giving birth. Oh the idea goodness. is those women are either seeking drugs seeking extra drugs by asking, saying they're in pain or that they just have a lower level, a lower threshold of pain. And so they're sort of put off like, oh, it's normal what you're feeling. Um, and that's led to some despicable outcomes, even, you know, going back to Serena Williams when she had her pulmonary embolism after mm -hmm. giving birth. And she said she was complaining of pain and the doctors ignored her. And here we are, you know, rich superstar, still a black woman. Right. You know? And she actually had had that issue 
previously. previously. So exactly. she probably knew how it felt. I think one of the concerns that everyone should have is the high mortality rate of pregnant Black women. And, Absolutely. you know, even those um, who have just given birth. And more importantly, I think people can just write it off, you know, like, oh, you know, these people are poor and, you know, that's why they're that way or they don't know how to take care of themselves, but even uh, irrespective of income. So a lot of these women are professionals who have access to health care and they're dying at a higher rate than other uh ethnicities or races, whatever you want to call it in America and, or in the United States, excuse me. So there's something there, there's something wrong there. And there's so much we could say on this topic. Uh, We haven't even gotten to convictions and sentencing disparities and wage gaps. I think we might need to have another class. I'm definitely down for that. And I think it's important that, you know, it's clear that these are not just sort of one-off examples. Like I've said some examples today, you know, you've said some examples today, but, you know, these are examples that speak to a broader issue and not just sort of one-off testimonials. Because while we may have some examples, we know that there are tons and tons of other people who have examples and stories we've seen and heard, but also just analysis of the systems using CRT um, that show an overall uh, embedded racism into our into our societal structure. Right. That has basically made this inequality. And it's one of those things where you can try to get ahead, but there are all these barriers to you. Um, and this is more on a macro level. And believe us, the things that we're saying They might sound somewhat anecdotal, but it's based on research. And like Sean said, analysis. There's a reason why we say these things, because there are people that study these things for a living. And this is the data that they've come up with. So in my opinion, CRT is about peeling back that onion, finding out where these discriminatory practices still exist. And I could already hear people saying, well, what about? So don't get me wrong. This theory is not without its fault. There are people who feel like it simplifies race and disparities. And I think that these criticisms are valid. You know, let's discuss it. I think it's important for these different viewpoints to be discussed. That's key. We have politicians, though, such as Senator Josh Howley and Governor Ron DeSantis, who are pushing these laws against funding schools that teach about race and its role in our country. But let me just be clear. Public schools, K through 12, do not even teach CRT. But we have these bills, we have these laws that stifle discussion about slavery in the United States. You'll hear the argument that slavery wasn't practiced just in the United States. These bills are to uh, stop teaching kids to hate America and be ashamed of their race. Now, to be clear, yet again, (laughs) this is what I say to these people. Slavery was practiced all over the world, including Africa. That's true. It's okay to say it. I don't have to deny that it existed. That doesn't have to make me feel ashamed or feel guilty. You know, that 
slavery occurred in Africa. However, what we want to point out is that in the United States, slavery was based on what was considered race, which was that social construct. It wasn't about one tribe or country conquering another and taking people as slaves. It was about enslaving people based on the color of their skin and origin. And part of the justification of white supremacy and power was the inferiority of Black people. The goal to keep power and land and riches for a group of people that took form in our laws and institutions. If there's an interest, we can discuss redlining, infrastructure, even how universal healthcare, the idea of it, is related to systemic discrimination against minorities, primarily Black people. My hand is raised. Oh. Boo. Sorry. I guess you'll have to wait until our next class. But on a serious note, we'll have links in our website to some of the articles we reference. They're a great place to learn even more about critical race theory. And please remember, keep an open mind. This isn't about white guilt and it's not about black victimization because Sean and I have heard that as well. Uh, It's about identifying inequalities in our laws and institutions on a macro level and working to correct them. Exactly. If you want to check out the sources Mizey mentioned, our website is ourrootawakening.com. We will include the links in the description box under the episode. You can also find us on IG at Root Awakening Pod and on Twitter at ourrootpod. We'll post the links Mizey mentioned in our stories, and you can find them on our IG highlights as well. Get in the comments and tell us your thoughts about this episode. And also let us know topics you'd like us to cover on a future show. And remember, when you open your eyes, you open your mind. And you should do both before you open your mouth. Bye. Bye.